have strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Appreciate it. As always, immigration has become the number one issue nationally. It's interesting what sways elections. There are things that bring people to the polls. It's one of the reasons why we are concerned about what gets on the ballot when you have issue voters. Um, and it, I guess this is I'm going to talk more about the bo- uh, border than I am the issues. But an issue voter is someone that when something's on the ballot that means the most to them, they go to vote because of that and they vote for other things while they are there. <clears throat> it's more than being a candidate voter. Um, I'll give you an example. When legalization of marijuana was on the ballot, people that have been trying to get marijuana decriminalized for a very long time made sure they were going to vote in that election cycle. And while they were there voting in that election cycle, they chose the candidates that they believed in, but they weren't there for the candidates. They went because of that issue. Well, the number one issue right now in America isn't the economy and inflation anymore. It's the border issue. And I've got so much for you to hear on this. Um, Rachel Campos Duffy, I played part of this this morning. She is with Fox and Friends. She was in Tucson, Arizona at a, an, a, what looked to be an abandoned building. And what it was, what it is, is it is a hotel that has been completely rented out by the government, an, an NGO, a non-governmental organization. It's funded by the federal government. It's called Casa Elitis, and it is a housing illegal immigrants at your expense. And there's, it's not so much that this is happening. It's the secrecy behind it. So I'm going to jump into that part of it. This is the second part of it. It's broken down here. We have it broken into four parts, but this is her asking to rent a room and how she just gets thrown out immediately when they see the cameras. Um, trying to rent your room. Oh no, we don't rent Why is this a hotel? We don't, can you guys get off the property please? Is this not a hotel? Can you please exit the property? It's private property. Whose private property? There's no there's no name outside? Can you please have them exit the building? What's the problem? But is this where illegals are being housed with government funding? Can you please get off our property? All of you, please, or I'm gonna call the police. Please call them. Okay. So yeah, please call them, which they didn't, of course. Now she tries to get some answers. Yeah, hi, what is this? Um, you need to leave, please. But I need to know what it is. Oh, Casa okay. Alitas. This is leave, Casa. Please. This is an NGO paid for by government money. We're not going to answer any of your questions. Just can you explain what you do here? No. Why? Why is so much secrecy? You know, that's what the American people want to understand. What's happening here? So this is what's ha- and this is what's infuriating to the American people. The American people are good. We are benevolent. We are kind. We are giving. I believe that we should always be a nation of refuge and a nation of asylum for people in need, whether it is a, a massive earthquake in Haiti or the political upheaval that happened in Afghanistan when we left and the Taliban took over. Um, it is Somali refugees when, when oh, the upheaval happened in Somalia, where we bring refugees into this country for a multitude of reasons. But our asylum laws are being abused and Americans are tired of it. More Americans now, 53 percent, a majority of Americans are in favor of a border wall. That number was 35 percent during the time President Trump was in office. 
in the past three years, that has grown to 53%, almost 20 percentage points. And the reason is because it is such an abysmal failure in the policies of this president. And I continue to say this because I, I know I'm going to be disappointed tomorrow in what happens. Um, the president of the United States in his reelection bid, and I mean, be, be in, you know, wanting to win an election is exactly what you're supposed to do when you're running for an office. But the president of the United States understands that he is losing big on the issue of the border. So he is going to go to the border tomorrow and he is going to give a speech and I could almost write it. In that speech, the president of the United States is going to blame Donald Trump. And he's going to blame MAGA Republicans for the conditions at the border, which is a joke. We understand that this has been going on for a long time. And for the three years that this president's been in office, there are some 87, 89 executive orders that this president signed that reversed the policies of the Trump administration. And I'm not I'm not even defending Trump. I'm saying he made these huge changes to border policies that were in place. And in response to that, the byproduct of that is we have seen worse conditions at the border than we have ever, ever, ever seen before. So with that in mind, if he goes to the border and he's going to, he is going to talk about the piece of legislation that was crafted by Senator Sinema and a Republican and a Democrat. That that never made it to the floor of the Senate, never mind the House. The House wasn't going to take it up either, but it never got to the floor for debate at the Senate. And there were many people that were upset that it didn't. And I talked to people that were opposed to this and they all had the same conclusion. There were good things in it, but it wasn't good enough. And instead of going back to the drawing board and instead of them getting sitting down and saying, let's figure this out. If that's our starting point, what can get you on board? I know that there's got to be a good rapport between Senator Sinema's office and Congressman Siskamani's office. Um, you know, Senator Sinema used to be in the House, so she is familiar with working with congressmen like Andy Biggs and others in the Arizona delegation. Why isn't there a continuing conversation that says, okay, we have a starting point then. How can we get you on board and not alienate the other side? Because there were a lot of Democrats that didn't like it. It, it. One of the most vocal critics of that piece of legislation and of the president's mindset shift on this has been Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because they're open borders advocates. They're on the opposite side of this. They believe these pieces of legislation go too far. But you are going to see President Biden blame Donald Trump. This is an overt act to try to head off the win that this is for Donald Trump and the presidency. And I believe, I believe with independent voters, not with Democrat voters, Democrat voters are on his side and they should be. That's where they are. Republican voters are against him. So it doesn't matter what he says, he's not going to sway them. But the all important independent voters out there, this huge swath of voters who largely are furious with him on this border issue, he's going to sound, in my opinion, I think it's going to sound overtly political. It is going to be a joke to those people who have no allegiance to Donald Trump and no allegiance to Joe Biden. But when they look at the border issue, if that president, if this president tries to stand in front of them and say, look at this mess at our southern border. This is the fault of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump hadn't interfered and that bill would have passed, we would have fixed this mess. But now we can't. Yes, he can. There's a lot that this president can do, and he's not doing it. So this is a Hail Mary. And if it comes across as just an overtly political visit, 
If it's not a fact-finding mission, if it's not with a real emphasis on trying to fix the problem, if it is, look, here I am standing at this horrible place that's being made horrible because Donald Trump got his Republican buddies to kill this. It's political, and that's what's making people more angry than anything else. The city of New York wants to end their their um, sanctuary city status. The uh, There's a story about the millions and millions and millions of dollars that New Yorkers have spent in no-bid contracts so that they can feed and house illegal immigrants. Amer- the American people are good. The American people want immigration. The American people want to continue to, to live by give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. But this is the wrong way to do it. This is not an immigration issue. This is a border security issue. And this president has failed. And unless he makes sweeping changes at the risk of his base, he's going to lose solely on this issue. He could lose the entire presidency. Coming up in a moment, a really interesting study. The top 10 worst drivers in America. What cities have the worst drivers in America? Arizona has two of the top 10. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, these Arizona cities rank in the top 10 worst drivers in the U.S. I'm a little surprised by this. Let me give you the criteria first. Number of fatal car crashes per 100,000 city residents. Number of fatal car crashes involving drunk drivers of a blood alcohol content of over 0.08. Number of fatal car crashes involving distracted drivers. Number of fatal crashes involving speeding. Number of people killed in fatal crashes um, for city residents. So um, this is number one. It surprises me. Uh, This one surprises me. Um, The number one city for this to be the I'd say the worst drivers is Albuquerque. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, Number two is Memphis, Tennessee. Number three is Detroit. So so far, I'm a little surprised. Number four, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, number five, Kansas City. Number six, Dallas. Number seven, Louisville. Number eight, Phoenix, Arizona. We are top 10, baby. Uh, Fort Worth is number nine, and Tampa, Florida is number 10. Um, I don't know, man. I've been to New York a few times, and there's some crazy drivers in New York. You drive in New York City. If you can get me to put on, if you can get me to grab the 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 hand, uh, you know, the the what do you call it, the handhold in a car, you're doing something. Now, Julia, you're from New York. You know New Yorkers drive crazy. Do we? Or do we actually know how to drive? Ooh. <laughs> sure, I guess. If I, 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 Listen, have you ever driven with me? Yeah. Okay. So then I know how to drive. Well, yeah. If you can drive fast, then that's okay. I'm a crazy driver. According to, to your standards, I'm a good driver. I mean, I drive fast. I do drive fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, all joking aside. But in New York, I've been in I've been in cabs and in Ubers in New York, where we fit in places I didn't think we were ever going to fit. No fear. No fear. No fear whatsoever, and no concern. No. Nobody even cares. Nope. They're not even on the list. Well, you know what I think it's interesting is 
and you've seen the roads back east. There are not a lot. There's not a lot of time to get off on an exit. Right. You've got to be over. You know, you have to think yeah. a mile away. Yeah. Um, I actually think that makes us better drivers because you actually know where you have to be on the road. Whereas here, sometimes you have a half mile to get on the exit, and I think that makes people lollygag a lot. I was good word lollygag. I Thank like you. that word. It's a good word. Thank um, you. I was in uh, D.C. I went to uh, for the State of the Union address one year, and I did my show in Rockville, Maryland, which isn't that far outside of D.C., I guess. So I had to use a map, you know, the map thing to get to where I had to go. And it said, you have to exit at whatever this road is. When they say exit, they mean like right now. Okay. You're right. There is no, no lead up to the exit. When nope. it says this is the exit, it is right there. Right. I ended up going pad make turn around and go oh, back. That's the worst. It is. But here at least there's some room. With our freeways, we have an exit lane. Yes. They I've don't. never seen that before, by the no, way. Really? Not until I came out here. Yeah. It's like if you're not paying attention, you will blow right past it. Do you think Arizona drivers are crazy drivers? Um, I was definitely. Or bad drivers. Bad drivers. Um, I just think there's a lack of education. How um, so? Well, I, I'm definitely of the proponent that if you're 16 and 17, that driver's ed should be required at some level. Okay. But then then your parents should educate. I mean, send them to a driver's school then. Right. If the schools aren't doing it. Well, sure. But so do you think it, that you think that's interesting? Because I would say that the majority of people would be concerned about elderly drivers. Oh, that's bad, too. Yeah. Because there was a story years ago on 60 Minutes. They did a story that made it. I grew up in Florida and it made the older people, the retirees in Florida, angry because they drove with like three retirees and showed how dangerous it was. There was one guy in the and I'll, I'll never forget it. This guy was driving and he couldn't turn his head his you know his neck was so bad he couldn't turn his head so he said instead of looking left before he made a right hand turn he just pulled out really slowly so anybody coming had time to go around him there should probably be <laughs> a driver's competency test for when you get older well you know here your driver's license is good until you're 65 right that's wild yeah your eyes your eyesight changes by the time you get you know i know oh no no you're to you're preaching to the choir well. now sister <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the font on my phone. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, no, I, the reason why I ask is because you lived in New York, oh, where, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. tough because of the the density of the traffic. Yeah. It's kind of wild. But here, it's considered two of our cities, Tucson and Phoenix, no. are in the top 10 in the country. And it's based on fatalities. It's based on drunk drivers. It's, it's based sad. on distracted driving. Yeah. That's That's a big number. I just... People around here don't know how to use their blinker, and that probably annoys me more than anything. See, this is where this is where I give my public service announcement. It's not so much right now because the freeways aren't as busy, but here's my public service announcement. If during your drive home today or you're driving to work in the morning, if you are driving in the left-hand lane and you are surprised that there's not a lot of traffic on the road, there's about 80 cars behind you that want to drive you into the wall. Move over. Is that fair? Is that yes. a fair? Very fair. Okay. All right. All right. I, thanks, Julia. I just, uh, I was surprised by this, that Arizona's got two of the top 10, but in none of the cities you would imagine are really on here. New York's not in here. LA isn't on here, um, but you are seeing Albuquerque, but it's based on death. So in all seriousness, Arizona has an issue then with people, whether it's DUI, with speed, with distracted driving, all of the above. That's how we got on this list. Coming up in a moment, we're going to go back to our conversation about the First Amendment. There is a poll out there or a study that some people and a huge number of people think that the First Amendment is too lenient, that it goes too far. We'll talk about that next.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. being here. Um, According to a new poll, there's an organization called FIRE, which is the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. (laughs) It's a First Amendment organization. It did a poll, and it says that similar numbers for Republicans and Democrats say that the First Amendment goes too far in the rights it guarantees. Listen to this. I can't believe this is true. More than half agreed that their local community should not allow a public speech that espouses a belief they find particularly offensive. Now, there's a quote about it being uh, disappointed, but not surprising. The survey was conducted in partnership with the Polarization Research Lab at Dartmouth College, asked 1,000 Americans about their opinions on free speech and expression. The survey found that when it comes to whether people are able to freely express their views, over two-thirds of respondents said they believe America was headed in the wrong direction. Further, only 25% of respondents agreed that the right to free speech was very or completely secure. The survey also um, uh, asked respondents to read a dozen controversial statements and pick the one they found most offensive. The most disliked beliefs were all whites are racist oppressors, followed by like Americans got what it deserved on 9-11 and January 6th was a peaceful protest. So it's it's interesting to me going down in my life, just going through the things history uh, in history that were controversial, considered to be controversial, that upset people. And um, art has been a big part of it. I've, I've talked about this the other day. And they're always been protected by the First Amendment. And it's fascinating to me that the people on the political side of the aisle, the political left, were the people that were defenders of the First Amendment. If you think about it, uh, I talked about Maplethorpe, the homoerotic artist um, and the art that was considered art and controversial and uh, pornography to many. And at the time was defended as art and that art is supposed to conjure up big, big feelings. And um, I talked about the uh, the art that was a crucifix, which is a sacred uh, sacred prayer beads in the Catholic religion, but the crucifix being the most sacred symbol in Catholicism dropped into a jar of urine, urine, uh, human urine. Um, Very controversial and very offensive to many people, yet protected by the First Amendment. And was then defended by people that said it may be offensive to me, it may be offensive to you, but that doesn't mean that that person doesn't have a right to do it. Burning the flag, desecrating the flag, all of these things historically have been viewed. I'll give you another example, the controversial kneeling for the national anthem, Colin Kaepernick and others that kneel for the national anthem. The the women's national soccer team representing the United States flag kneeling for the U.S. national anthem. Not all of them, but most of them. Very controversial. Protected. But now we have this thing where people call it hate speech. That if I espouse a viewpoint that you find offensive, 
And let me tell you the direction that it goes. If you are, uh, and let's just get into the realities of it. If you are a supporter of or a member of the LGBTQ community, they consider the Bible and parts of it to be hate speech because in the Bible it talks about homosexuality and how it's not the right thing to do and that God frowns on it and it's, it's sinful. And there are preachers that preach on that subject. They find that offensive and they believe that's hate speech. You may view it that way, but conversely, there are Christians that believe that when you are not just someone that's in that community or a supporter, but the way you advocate for it is also wrong and offensive. They would say that some of the activities at the Pride Parade are offensive. Well, who gets to be offended and who has to put up with it? This is the part of it where we make room for everyone. The First Amendment protects my right to A, express my feelings, and B, express my religion any way I want to. Any way I want to. Now, I have a friend. I haven't verified this, but I have a friend who posted on social media last week. And our, or, yeah, last week. And I'm not, I haven't talked with them, and so I'm not going to give their names. I haven't asked their permission. to. Ha- I would love to have them come and talk about this. But they went with a group to um, the Supreme Court uh, trip to D.C., and they decided and it wasn't a, it wasn't a religious group, by the way. They decided that they were going to pray on the steps of the Supreme Court. And they claim that security came over and told them that they weren't allowed to pray on the steps of the Supreme Court. Now, I would tell you I would handle that much differently than they did because they left and they posted about it. But they left. I, I would not have left. I would have told them that they're going to have to arrest me um, because – The First Amendment protects my right to pray anywhere I want to. Um, But my point is the First Amendment protects things even if you don't condone them or like them. I joked earlier, but it's true. It's it's as simple as this. I don't – I mentioned I don't like the cranberries, not the the food. I don't like the band, the cranberries. I can't stand them. Um, I just can't stand the cranberries. I don't know what it is. I know they're very popular. When they come on the radio, if I'm listening to a station and they come on the radio, I immediately change the station. I immediately change the station. I've never contacted a radio station. And I worked at a radio station that are in a group of radio stations that played that music often. Never demanded that they not play the cranberries because I hate them. The idea that you don't have a or that you have a right to not be offended. I talked about I truly believe stand up comedy because we all love it um, will save the First Amendment. The, the people that are brave enough to say you can't cancel me because I'm not going to be canceled. I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to do my act. And if you don't want to hear my act, don't buy a ticket. But I'm not going to back off if I talk about this group of people and I crack jokes. And then I do it over here about this group, and that group gets offended. All of a sudden, I have to be canceled. Ricky Gervais uh, talked about his jokes about uh, Caitlyn Jenner and how they wanted to cancel him because he used Caitlyn Jenner's name, Bruce Jenner, and that was dead naming him. And it was it was a big deal. And um, we know what's happened to Dave Chappelle. And the fact of the matter is, them being brave enough to stand up and say, "I'm just trying to be funny." And in the end, that's all it is. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me pitch the podcast. Um, I did a podcast. 
and I did it with um, John Holmberg from KUPD here in town. And I would love for you to go and watch it. He is one of the smartest, most thoughtful people I've, I've known. And I've known John for a while casually, and we've gotten to know each other a little better, but he was so good on this podcast. John Holmberg is one of the funniest, most irreverent people I have ever been around in my life. He can make some of the most horrible things funny in a way that isn't, he's not going after anyone. It's just funny. I admire someone that has that kind of creativity. I can tell a joke. I can be funny and tell a joke. For someone to be observant of what's happening around us and take something horrible and make you laugh at it for a moment without going after somebody or being mean-spirited is exactly what I think genius is. And I think people like that, he's one of them, I think is a genius. I think those are the people that are the most creative. And I think those First Amendment advocates that are saying, listen, I'm not going after anybody personally. I have no ill intent, but this is funny to me, and I think it'll be funny to you, and I'm going to say it, and let the chips fall where they may. If you're going to try to cancel me, cancel me. I think those people are geniuses. I wish I had that ability to get up on do stand up or to do those kinds of things. But if you don't have the freedom to express yourself, there are many people that don't like this show. I respect that. I'm not for everybody. You have the ability to listen to something else, and many people choose to do just that. But I'm going to – I have the right to say what I'm saying. I have a right to hear my have my voice heard, and if you don't like it and if enough people change the station, then they'll fire me. But as long as the ratings are good and as long as people are buying advertising on the radio station, I have a right to be here and say the things I do. I don't mean to offend, but if you're offended, that's your problem, not mine. The First Amendment never goes too far. Coming up in a moment, we're going to go back to the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association's poll that says the people of Phoenix support the police department. They don't want the city to enter into a consent decree. We'll talk about the implications coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, in the next hour of the show, we are going to talk about the news that Mitch McConnell will be stepping down from his leadership position in November. We're going to let you hear a little bit of what he had to say. We'll talk more about that, the huge implications of that happening coming up. But right now, um, the uh, I, got a, I got a press release in the poll from PLEA, the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. 52% of the people in Phoenix would prefer a resolution that allows the city to make needed changes without the DOJ taking operational control of the department. That is huge compared to only 24.6% who oppose the uh, that idea. I think that's a, a big story. I think that's big news. Um which means the voices that are still clamoring for DOJ uh, taking over are a loud but smaller group of people. Um, the city council of, of Phoenix, and I'm giving them a ton of credit because they deserve it, from the mayor to the rest of the council. Uh, and we don't have a strong mayor system. It's a good time to point that out. With other cities that have entered into consent decrees, they have a strong mayor system where the mayor is the chief executive. In this case, that's not how it works. We have a city council with equal powers, and the mayor is more of a member at large. But the mayor has been very – she is still the face of the city – 
and she has been very supportive of law enforcement, and so has most of the city council. We know the city manager's office, the city attorney's office has done the same thing in showing their support in this regard, that the Phoenix Police Department makes changes that are necessary to be a better agency, that they do not need oversight by a body to take over control of the agency. They went out of their way to hire Chief Michael Sullivan, the interim police chief, because he's an expert in dealing with these situations, and it's shown here. So this is a great sign for Phoenix. It's immensely expensive. It's expected to cost a quarter of a billion dollars in 10 years. Now, it's front-loaded, so it's going to cost a lot more than that $25 million in year one, but over a 10-year period, the average is expected to be $25 million a year, which would be a quarter of a billion dollars in 10 years. The city of Oakland has had 12 or 13 police chiefs in over 20 years under a consent decree, and they still can't seem to get it right for whatever reason. Now, I don't think that they're, it's not that they're get, not getting it right. I believe it's because why would a monitor that's getting paid millions of dollars a year voluntarily shut that faucet off of that money? That's how this works. If the city of Phoenix entered into a consent decree with the DOJ, there would be court oversight, but there would be an independent monitor that was brought in that was paid for by the city. And the only way that that monitoring would end is when the monitor said the city is in compliance. What is the motivation to do that? It's pretty simple. And not only that, but when the Phoenix Police Department says they are a self-assessing, self-correcting agency, they are. And this is part of the credit to the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. I have been associated, known them and associated with them during charitable things and other stuff, going all the way back, you know, through three or four uh, plea presidents and boards of directors. And it has been a consistent thing throughout that they will make sure that they defend police officers when they deserve and need to be defended in an action. That's what their job is. But they also want and they help get rid of the bad officers. That when an officer isn't capable of doing the job or makes a big mistake or does the wrong thing, they make sure they're held accountable. Nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. And it's 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 a reputation of the of the industry that must change. The idea that teachers can do the wrong thing and then that teacher be held accountable and not the profession is the way we should look at policing. When a cop does the wrong thing, he or she should be held accountable. If they need to be retrained, retrain them. If they need to be punished and suspended, suspend them. If they need to be fired, fire them. But don't hold the entire agency and the entire profession um, accountable or blame them as this some kind of a systemic problem. This is a ridiculous thing to say. And this this these kinds of polls show that the average citizen understands that you are drawing your employees from a flawed pool of humanity, just like the rest of the employment bases in every other profession. I don't know where you work, but I want you to think about where you work. Is everybody that you work with good at their job? Are they? Do you have people that work with you that shouldn't be working there? It's the same in every profession. And I'm glad that the public is is saying that in this poll. Um, They do a difficult job. I think they deserve a lot of credit for the way they do their job. I believe they're an elite agency. And I'm glad the public is behind them. And I hope the city council takes notice that we like what they are doing with this and how they are doing it. Just after 11 o'clock, uh, where's the best place to start a business and why? But we're also going to talk about Mitch McConnell stepping down as the Republican leader in the Senate. Next.